Amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome. Today we're starting a new teaching series, and the teaching series is based off this book, When God Becomes Small. I read this book about a year ago, and it was the fav- my favorite book that I've read over the past uh, couple of years because it really put into perspective, I think, something that I feel like is missing sometimes in our culture. Sometimes we like to pursue bigger and better. That's what our culture is about. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Sometimes it's good to pursue what's bigger and better. Sometimes bigger is better, but not always. Uh, I found this past week a couple of pictures. Here's, here's one. Here's a 50-pound pizza. So if you can eat this 50-pound pizza in under two hours with six of your friends, you can win $1,000. What do you think? We, uh, we, could, we could get a few of those out. Uh, go ahead, bring on in the pizzas. No, just joking. We're not going to do that today. Some of you are like, let's do it. Let's try this. Uh, there would be a point in time in my life where I'd be excited about this challenge. Right now, I'd be like, come on, are you kidding me? Uh, People do this all over the place. Different places have different pizzas, but this is supposedly the biggest in America, the 50-pounder right here. That is four tables that it has to cover in order to do that. Here's another one is a 100-foot car, okay? Now, this past week, I took uh, 22 kids to Top Golf, so maybe that might have come in handy, had the jacuzzi in the back. Uh, I kind of like the, the Ferrari, uh, the eight-seater Ferrari. But the, but the one in the back is the, the largest vehicle, or it was at the time, 100 foot. But there's a little bit of a problem with the 100-foot car, parking. That's, uh, parking is difficult, okay? Uh, you, maybe, maybe a handicap placard might help, but I think it might be difficult to find parking. So it, bigger is not necessarily better. Here's... Here's another one right here. This is, this is breaking news right here. The number one, uh, the top selling house, the most expensive house in the Denver metro area this couple of weeks ago sold 25 million. This is Russell Wilson's new house. Now I'm losing some of you here because some of you are saying, I'll, I'll go with the big house. I'll take the $25 million house. Uh, bigger is better with this house, but hang on. Hang on a second. It's four bedrooms and 12 bathrooms, okay? Four bedrooms and 12 bathrooms. It's 20,000 square feet, and it's got four bedrooms, and that's it, and 12 bathrooms. So here's the idea I have for the $25 million house. Uh, Russell, play, play well on Monday, okay? We're, we're all cheering for you. However, here's a different challenge. There's the 50-pound pizza challenge, two hours. I think there's even a more difficult challenge. Can you use every bathroom in Russell Wilson's house in one day? Can you use all 12 bathrooms in one day? How much water would you have to drink in order to use the bathroom one time a day? Why do you need 12 bathrooms in your home? Um, 
I don't know. Maybe it's because you ate a 50-pound pizza. Uh, that's the only reason you need 12 bathrooms is you took the pizza challenge. So in my opinion, that's, that's a little more than I would want to try to clean. That is a little more than I would want to have to deal with. Some of you would take on that challenge. But sometimes bigger is not always better. But in our world and in our culture, that's oftentimes how we look at things, that it must be bigger to be better, bigger bank accounts, big monuments, big houses, big cars, big everything that's always better. But I think Jesus does something that he does regularly. He always switches our expectations. He always points us in a different direction. Whenever the culture or the world is going one way, he asks us and challenges us to look at the world differently. And to do something different and change your perspective. So that's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to think about when God becomes small and how the small things sometimes are even more important and more significant and more powerful. There are some things that I think we should do big. We should be big on forgiveness. We should be big with our generosity. We should, be, we should be big in our heart to serve other people. But uh, the big that we often talk about is very different than that. Um, big house, big bank account, big TV. That's kind of nice for watching uh, football games, right? For watching Russell Wilson and his 12 bathrooms. Um, that's what we all want. But God is definitely big. God is powerful. God is amazing. And that's a lot of times, probably because we like big things, what we focus in on when we think about God. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. God is out there, distant galaxies, stars, all kinds of things. God created all things. Is big, is huge. Is it possible that sometimes if we only focus on those attributes, which are absolutely true, that we could miss the personal, we could miss the intimate, we could miss God coming close to us. And I think something changes dramatically when God becomes small, when God comes close, when we don't think of God as just far off. There's people in this world that are agnostic. They would say that there's no way to know if there's a God. They, were, they wouldn't say that there's no possibility of God, that there's no like chance that there's anything out there, a higher power somewhere in the galaxy, somewhere in the universe. But the idea between being uh, a, an agnostic is it's impossible to ever comprehend. It'd be impossible to ever know. God is so big and distant, if he's, God is even out there, that how could we have any clue what's going on? And if there's a God out there, why would he even care about us? Maybe, maybe he created us and we're one of millions and millions of planets and species and he doesn't even pay attention. Who knows? You could never know. Impossible to know if there's a God out there. So... We're on our own. That thinking is completely contrary to the message of Scripture. In fact, the message of Scripture talks about the intimacy of God, talks directly against that. 
one of the most profound portions of Scripture, and I think maybe one of the biggest theological lessons in all of Scripture is in John chapter 1, where it says, the word, the God of the universe, the person who was there in the very beginning became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. The, the God of the universe is the God that is just that is huge, that is big, that is out there, that came to us, initiated relationship with us. That, in many ways, is an incredibly profound thing. An incredible statement, an incredible theological point that is unique about Christianity and the life of Jesus is that God became small. God came to us. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to think about that and really kind of digest the significance and implications of that. But I want you to turn to John chapter 15, and we're going to read a portion of Scripture here where Jesus really is huddled around, gathered in an intimate moment, talking with his disciples. It's, it's a beautiful portion of Scripture where, where Jesus talks intimately and in detail about his heart. His heart for us, his heart for those who he was there on earth with. So in John chapter 15, verse 12, it says this. It says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So I want to take a moment just to look through this passage again, this very intimate moment, this moment where Jesus is, is having uh, a conversation with his disciples, but I also think is a conversation that is meant to be shared for all time and for all the people who come after the disciples, all the people who, who hear these words, read these words and say, I am a follower of Christ, that Jesus starts out by saying, uh, love each other as I have loved you, and then, then finishes and says, love each other as I, or love each other. That's what he says. And so it's kind of a section that is, that is uh, a parenthesis of those two statements that are said and repeated. But uh, if you look at the first part of this passage, it says, greater love has no one than this, than he who lays down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And that's really where, where it's an incredible passage. and It's an incredible message that is being spoken right here. And you can see that Jesus is definitely talking to the people who are there, right there to hear it for the first time. But he's talking beyond that. Those people that say, I'm following you. I'm, I'm your disciple. I'm going to obey you. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit my life to you. It says, you are my friends. 
You're my friends. What a crazy statement for the God of the universe to make. What an incredible statement for, for the one that sometimes we think of as so big, so far off. And some people say, you know what? We can't even know this God. We can't even approach this God. We can't even think like this God to say, you are my friends. The translation here into English doesn't quite do it justice. In fact, it's, it's a combination of this idea of friendship, but also of just brotherly love. Also of, you know, somebody that is a beloved friend. So it's a combination of kind of the words friend and love at the same time. We don't really have a word for that in our language, but that's what Jesus was sharing with them. He says, you're, you're my beloved friend. I have deep affection for you. I care deeply for you. And we're, we can have this relationship in this way. It's an unbelievable thought. If you think about the bigness of God and how small this moment and how intimate this moment and how close and personal this moment is, it's almost, of course, we, we know there's a difference between us and God, but it's almost like Jesus is talking to people on a common level. Like we're hanging out, we're mutual friends. It's, it's, it's odd, it's amazing, it's profound. But as he continues on in verse 15, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. You're my friends. If you think about this, and this is the question that has been floating around in my mind recently, is do I know the master's business? There's different people uh, that train, or they might go to an expert, somebody who is, has a specific skill. Feels a little old-fashioned, but maybe like a, a shoe cobbler or a blacksmith. That's what comes to my mind where you say, I'm going to go and I'm going to intern and I'm going to like learn this trade. And it's a very specific skill and unique thing that you have to do training and you have to work on. And you have to, you have to like know the intricacies of this particular business. And then over the course of time, maybe years, at some point in time, you could... You can be an expert in this field as well. It feels a little bit like that. That Jesus is looking at the disciples, the people who have said, I'm going to follow you. And he says, now you know. You know my business. You know the master's business. You know what God is all about. You know, these are the same disciples that at some points in time, they were like, hey, let's, let's get back at some of our enemies. That was some of their feeling early on. Sometimes they were fighting and arguing over who was the best. These are the kind of conversations that took place earlier when they were following Jesus. But now Jesus looks at them and says, now something has changed. You've been with me. You're my friends. You know the master's business. You know what my heart is about. You know what I care about. And you understand as we read this, the opening command is love each other as I've loved you. And the closing word is love each other. The master's business is pretty clear. 
And Jesus' life is a picture of that. And it's hopefully something that we grasp and understand. That the business of God is to love one another. That's the business. That's the master's business that he's handing off to his disciples, his followers, and ultimately to us. He's handing it down and saying, you know what my business is about. You know what it's all about. It's a huge question to think about. Why did God create it all? Why did God start all of this? Why are we here? I mean, we're here. I think we're here, right? We're here. We're experiencing all this. And you just, sometimes I just ask the question, why, God? Why did you do it? When we look back through history, there's all the pain, all the death, all the destruction, all of these other things that are going on uh, in the world. And it's like, seems like a giant hassle. Humanity seems like a huge uh, pain. But we get a glimpse. We get a picture. Maybe people have all kinds of theories about why God did all of this. But right here, he's gathering around and says, I think you know. You know. You understand. You get it. You followed me. You've walked around. You've seen what I've done. You've seen what I taught. You've seen what's important to me. And you know what the master's business is. You know the point of it. The point is a loving relationship. Can I mean, just stop for a minute and and grasp that. That the point of God creating, and I really do think this is the big point. This is the big picture of scripture, is the point that God created humanity for a relationship. It's crazy if you think about it. God wanted to be friends with us. That, it, it's an odd concept, and I have some questions for God because I'd say, like, God, have you met all these people? This is what, this is, you want to be friends with all these people, and this is what you wanted, and all this hassle, all this headache, all this stuff, and this is why. What are you thinking? And God gathers around and says, You're my friends. You're my beloved. I love you. I care for you. We have a relationship. We have history. You know my business. You know what this is all about. You know what my message has been about. And so it's kind of a different category. It moves to a different category of relationship where we're gathered around and we are mutual friends in a loving relationship. It's mind-blowing when you stop and think about the words that are spoken right here and are really extended to us. In verse 16, he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you. To go and bear fruit. And different people have different interpretations of exactly what Jesus is saying here and meaning here. But here, here's how I take it. Is that Jesus is saying, I'm the one that initiated the relationship. I'm the one that came to earth. I'm the one that is reaching out to you. 
I'm the one that invited you to be my disciple. I'm the one that is extending an invitation to you that I want you to be my friend. I want you to have a relationship with me. It's, it's flipped in incredible ways. The agnostic would look around and say, it's impossible to even know God. But of course, the response to that is, unless God wants to know us, if God cares and wants to know us and wants to be known, then that changes everything. He says, yeah, you didn't just figure this out on your own. You didn't start this. You weren't the one that was pursuing me. I was the one that pursued you. And when I pursued you, you're going you're gonna to do incredible things. You're going to do incredible things that, that helps other people know my love. Other people become my friend. Other people come into my kingdom and more and more relationships formed in this way. This is the father's business, the master's business. God's business is connecting people. It's unbelievable when you think about it and you compare this picture, you compare this image as to what the father's business is and what our business is. Isn't it incre- would it be incredibly sad if we lived our life where we missed the master's business pursuing our own business, pursuing our own goals, dreams, aspirations. Maybe we're saying, I want a $25 million house with 12 bathrooms. Okay? I want 12 bathrooms. That's what I want. I want 50 pounds of pizza. That's what I want. I want some big stuff. You have no idea, God, how big my dreams are. I got some big dreams. I want the Broncos to win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, big dreams. I got all kinds of things that I want in life. This is what I want, and I want it to be big, and I want it to be better, and I want it to be amazing. And then everything's going to be good. The question we have to ask ourselves is, do we really know the master's business? Do we really know God's business? What God was here to do? Are we so busy running around chasing after all these things that we could miss it? We could miss what he's trying to do in our life. We could miss those little moments that we have. This past week, I'm trying to, because this is, this is something that I really need to take to heart. This is something that I'm, I'm the type of person that likes to run after things. I'm pursuing bigger, better. I'm, I'm chasing around. I got a busy schedule. And sometimes I miss those little moments that are really God-ordained moments to connect with somebody, to Look at somebody else and say, man, we're building something like a friendship, like a brotherly love, uh, uh, something that is deep, something that is amazing. In this past week, we 
didn't take a limo and we didn't eat 50 pounds of pizza, but we did go to Top Golf and, and we were there with a bunch of kids and all of them uh, were right there in the front. And, and the person that was like manning the stand right there was like, are you the guy that is responsible for all of this? And I was like, yeah, that's me. And, and he, he just saw the gray hair and he saw my wisdom and, and also my leadership, natural leadership talents. And he guessed that and assumed that. And so he called me over. He's like, can you, can you take all of these wild children and just move them aside, please? Because there's just not exactly those words, you know, but I knew that's, that was what was going on in the head, but it was like the, uh, the kind version of that. Like, you know, there's lots of other guests right here, so if you wouldn't mind uh, taking your party over there until your, uh, your spot is ready. And then we had this moment where we were there, and I was like, all right, I'm going to capture some of the enthusiasm of these teens. And I took a couple shots on my camera. We, we showed a little preview of, of this at the beginning of the service, but Titus, just, just roll the beginning again of, of that. This is, just gives you a picture of what my Friday night was like right here. All right, that's good. We don't have to watch the whole thing, but um, you just get that right there. The kids jumping up and down and all of that. That was seven seconds after they asked us to step a little bit aside. You, you get the idea, right? But as these kids were just kind of hugging each other and getting ready to do this, there was just that moment in between counting all the names, making sure everything was taken care of, the bills were paid, all that stuff. Like where these kids were just gathered together and there was just joy. It was like watching a bunch of little puppies running around. That's exactly what it was like, just bouncing around and like wrestling each other and all that. And just for a second, I just stopped right there and I just was like, this is pretty fun to be able to do this on a Friday night. Pretty cool to be able to hang out with these kids and the enthusiasm and uh, connect with them. And I love, I, I love both groups, the groups that are, you know, uh, gathered together, jumping up and down. And then the other kids that are looking at them like, who are these kids? <laughs> and like, uh, love all the groups, love all those kids, being able to connect with them, talk to them, hit a few golf balls, show them how good of a golfer I am, you know, compared to them. All of these things, all of these little moments, but in life, it's so easy so easy to miss those moments and think that they're not profound, God-ordained moments where we have an opportunity to truly understand the master's business of having a friend, somebody that you're bonding with, somebody that you're connecting with, and love is expressed. It's something that we can so easily miss. So what is the master's business? What is it all about? What's the point? I think we get a glimpse of it right here. Love each other. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other and man, have people in your life that you can look at with the same passion and same conviction and same heart and sentiment and look at them and say, we're friends. Something incredible that Jesus says, that the scripture says. 
God created the world for relationships. God created us to connect with our creator, to love God, and to love our neighbor. God created all of this to have an intimate relationship with God and with one another. That's the master's business. That's what he calls us to. There's a TV show that I think in some ways, when it's at its best, it, uh, it, it sums up sometimes the mundane things that happen in life. Okay? And when it was at its best, it was one of the shows that I enjoyed watching because uh, all of us have office experiences where we go around and we just have everyday life and we spend eight hours a day, Monday through Friday, talking to other people and doing little mundane tasks. And sometimes it feels like it's repetitive and not meaningful, but there's something that can happen in environments where you spend that much time. There can be true relationships that are formed. There can be connections that are formed. You can be doing something that seems completely mundane, completely pointless. But if you have a mindset to connect, amazingly, you can do that. And I've had those experiences. I've worked in several different jobs in different places. And I've worked at schools. And, and, and there's two paths that you can go. Just like any other job, you can get really busy and really focused and say, okay, the business is this product or the business is this, the business is profit, the business is all of that. That's what the business is. Or you can go on another track and say, there's, there's more to it than that. That there's people that I spend a bunch of time with, hang out with, can connect with. I can call my friends. And so I liked... Many times, the, this show, The Office, is it uh, portrayed some of that. Yeah, there were some over-the-top moments, and there were some inappropriate moments, and all of that kind of stuff. But sometimes, it showed and demonstrated that the small things sometimes do matter. So I want you to watch this clip, because it, it captures this. Is the last kind of few minutes of the show that I like to watch, The Office, and uh, take a look. Imagine going back and watching a tape of your life. You could see yourself change and make mistakes and grow up. You could watch yourself fall in love, watch yourself become a husband, become a father, you guys gave that to me. And that's an amazing gift. My job is to speak to clients on the phone about quantities and types of copier paper. Even if I didn't love every minute of it, everything I have, I owe to this job. This stupid, wonderful, boring, Amazing job. I thought it was weird when you picked us to make a documentary. But all in all, I think an ordinary paper company like Dunder Mifflin was a great subject for a documentary. There's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point?
There is a lot of beauty in ordinary things. A lot of beauty in those moments if we open ourselves to it. There's lots of mundane things that you do with your life. Lots of moments where you may think it's meaningless. Lots of small details that consume our day. But what the scripture tells us is the master's business is to love one another. The master's business is to have a relationship. The master's business is very intimate, is very involved with those small things in life. I want to invite you to pray with me. And as we go into a time of prayer, I want you to ask yourself for a moment if you are going about the master's business. If your life is really transformed, consumed with the things that God cares about. Every single interaction, every single person that we meet and interact with was created in the image of God and is a dearly loved person that God loves and cares about and created for purpose and reason. So all of us need to slow down. And to honestly ask if we're living the life that God created us for. If we're pursuing the things that God wants us to pursue. God, I want to thank you for this really beautiful moment in Scripture that we get to read. Where you called the disciples your friends. And God, I believe you called us your friends. God, I can't fully even comprehend what that means. To be a friend of the creator of the universe, I, I don't even understand it. But God, I hope and pray you do something in my heart 
to help me to fully grasp every day. What's important to you to love each other? So God, I pray that we don't miss those moments. So God, bring us peace right now. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your love. So that we may go and bear fruit. That we may go and share your love with others. Deepen our relationships. Work on our heart, we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.